in your Bibles, please, for our second reading to Exodus chapter 38. Exodus chapter 38, verse 1, hear now the inerrant, infallible, and inspired word of God. And he made the altar of burnt offering of shittim wood. Five cubits was the length thereof, and five cubits the breadth thereof. It was four square, and three cubits the height thereof. And he made the horns thereof on the four corners of it. The horns thereof were of the same, and he overlaid it with brass. And he made all the vessels of the altar the pots and the shovels and the basins and the flesh hooks and the fire pans, all the vessels thereof made he of brass. And he made for the altar a brazen grate of network under the compass thereof beneath unto the midst of it. And he cast four rings for the four ends of the grate of brass to be places for the staves. And he made the staves of shittim wood and overlaid them with brass, and he put the staves into the rings on the sides of the altar to bear it withal. He made the altar hollow with boards. And he made the laver of brass, and the foot of it brass, of brass, and the looking, of the looking glasses of the women assembling, which assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And he made the court. On the south side, southward, the hangings of the court were of fine twined linen and hundred cubits. Their pillars were twenty and their brazen sockets twenty. The hooks of the pillars and their fillets were of silver. And for the north side, the hangings were an hundred cubits. Their pillars were twenty and their sockets of brass twenty. The hooks of the pillars and their fillets of silver. And for the west side were hangings of 50 cubits, their pillars 10 and their sockets 10, the hooks of the pillars and their fillets of silver. And for the east side eastward, 50 cubits, the hangings of the one side of the gate were 15 cubits, their pillars 3 and their sockets 3. And for the other side of the court gate on this hand and that hand were hangings of 15 cubits, their pillars 3 and their sockets 3. All the hangings of the court round about were of fine twined linen. And the sockets for the pillars were of brass, and the hooks of the pillars and their fillets of silver, and the overlaying of the chapiters of silver, and all the pillars of the court were filleted with silver. And the hanging for the gate of the court was needlework of blue and purple and scarlet and fine twined linen, fine twined linen, and twenty cubits was the length and the height and the breadth was five cubits, answerable to the hangings of the court. And their pillars were four, and their sockets of brass four, their hooks of silver, and the overlaying of their chapiters, and their fillets of silver. And all the pins of the tabernacle and of the court round about were of brass. This is the sum of the tabernacle, even of the tabernacle of testimony, as it was counted according to the commandment of Moses for the service of the Levites by the hand of Ithamar, son, of, son to Aaron the priest, and Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah, made all that the Lord commanded Moses. And with him was Aholiab, the son of Ahisamach, the of the tribe of Dan, 
an engraver and a cunning workman and an embroiderer in blue and in purple and in scarlet and fine linen. All the gold that was occupied for the work in all... uh, for the work in all the work of the holy place, even the gold of the offering was twenty and nine talents and seven hundred and thirty shekels after the shekel of the sanctuary. And the silver of them that were numbered of the congregation was an hundred talents and a thousand seven hundred and threescore and fifteen shekels after the shekel of the sanctuary. A bika for every man, that is half a shekel after the shekel of the sanctuary, For everyone that went to be numbered from 20 years old and upward for 600,000 and 3,550 men. And of the hundred talents of silver were cast the sockets of the sanctuary and the sockets of the veil and hundred sockets of the hundred talents, a talent for a socket. And of the thousand seven hundred seventy and five shekels, he made hooks for the pillars and overlaid their chapiters and filleted them. And the brass of the offering was 70 talents and 2,400 shekels. And therewith he made the sockets to the door of the tabernacle of the congregation and the brazen altar and the brazen grate for it and all the vessels of the altar and the sockets of the court round about and the sockets of the court gate and all the pins of the tabernacle and all the pins of the court round about. May God add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his most holy word. We continue on where we left off in Exodus 39. Uh, it won't be too long because of our time here, but, but I do want to say a, a couple of things that we, that we continue in the same order. We start from the inside, we work our way outside. Now here we are outside the tabernacle and we start with the brazen altar. The brazen altar was, may I say it this way, huge. It was about seven and a half feet or eight feet by seven and a half or eight feet, about five feet high, and midway up was a network, a a brass grill, if you will, so that they could put a whole burnt offering on it. I don't know. I mean, frankly, I don't know how they got an ox up on it. But they did. And of course goats would be a little bit easier. But a bullock or an ox that was offered. I don't know how they did it. I guess four or five Levites and push. I don't know. But when we think of all of the other things. You know we, we have here at, at the end of it. We have a, a full tale of the gold and of the silver. And of the brass. And I did a little bit of work on that this last week. I was trying to figure out how much these things might have weighed. Um, lo and behold, I'm not the first that's ever thought that way. There were, there were a number of other folks that had mused on that. We're, we're given particular dimensions, but not every dimension. For instance, we don't know how thick anything was. The lid of the box, the, the hilasterion, the mercy seat. What is that? The, the kaporet, as it's called in, in, in the Hebrew. How thick was that? What we know was made all of gold. Let me just say this. If it was one and a half cubits by two and a half cubits, let's just say it was two inches thick. That'd be a 1,200 pound artifact. So no, it wasn't two inches thick. It probably wasn't even one inch thick. It was probably quite a bit thinner than that. The other thing that I looked for throughout the Old Testament was not able to find it. If you find something, please let me know. 
But it's never said, it's only assumed, that there were four Levites that carried each artifact, one at every corner. What if there were eight? What if some of those things were so heavy that the poles, the staves, had to be long enough so that there were two Levites at each corner? That's certainly also a possibility. And doesn't that witness to the, like we said earlier today, the burdensomeness of that ceremony? Right? And also that it was designed to pass away. So, we have an altar that is made of brass. It's called, it's made of brass because it's outside. It has to be durable in that sense. And I know I've probably misspoken this in the past, but brass is a metal that's made up of two very interesting metals. One is zinc and the other is copper. You mix zinc and copper together, you get the hardness and, and durability of the, uh, of the zinc, and then you get the, 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 uh, the softness and lack of oxidation qualities of the brass, although it still oxidizes, I'm sorry, the copper, although it still oxidizes not nearly as much as, say, iron or anything like that. And so you get a, you get a metal then that is pretty much impervious, depending on how much zinc is mixed with it. It's used all over today. We, we put it on ships because it holds up so well in the weather. Holds up so well in heat also. And brass then, because it's the, it's the metal of the, of the altar here, and the altar speaks of sacrificial victims, you will hear about brass being the metal of judgment throughout the scripture. When we see the risen Christ depicted in visionary form in Revelation chapter 1, his feet are made of brass because he, what? He will stamp out, he will bruise the serpent's head. His judgment is unbending, unyielding, and durable. That's the point of brass, right? So then we have the gold, the cherubim, all of these things that are built up here. Um, there's the, there is one uh, section that may give us a little bit of pause here with regard to its understanding. Uh, notice in verse 8, He made the labor of brass and the foot of it brass, of the looking glasses of the women assembling, hmm, which assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Well, if you open up to four or five or six different commentators, you'll get eight or nine different opinions as to what that means. Rather than going through all of those, let me just give you what I think it means. Okay? Because I think I'm right, or else I wouldn't tell you. Right? I mean, you have to have a particular confidence until something comes along and drives you off of that. But we remember, don't we, that there were women that attended the tabernacle throughout its eras. That they were, if I can say it this way, they were prayer warriors who spent their time in no other thing. But they would get up, leave their homes, come to the tabernacle, and they would pray at the gates. They prayed for the ministry of God. There were sacrifices going on every day at the tabernacle and later the temple. And so they were there every day praying and interceding for the people of God. We think of Anna the prophetess in the time of Jesus' birth. We think of those women that were the attendants uh, during the days of Hophni and Phinehas and how Hophni and Phinehas abused those otherwise righteous women. We think also, don't we, of Jephthah's daughter, 
Not a human sacrifice. That's silly to interpret the Bible like that. Rather, that she was given to perpetual servitude, a whole burnt offering, as it were, for the rest of her life, praying and attending to the worship of God alongside the priest, not ministering with them, but outside, praying and ministering in that way. And so Jephthah, as he dedicated her then to that service and perpetual virginity, his name died out in Israel. What did these women do? They gave up their looking glasses. What? How does that have to do with brass? Well, remember that, okay, what is a mirror constructed of? It's a piece of glass, but it has a coating of silver on the backside. A very thin coating of silver that is reflective. And then it's protected with glass on the front of it because silver itself is not a very durable uh, metal. If you had a thin sheet of silver like that, it wouldn't last, so they attach it to the glass. Well, that would be a way to do a mirror, but there was another way. They would take brass and they would pour it into a sheet. And then what they would do is they would polish and polish and polish and polish on it until it reflected like glass. And so some of these women that came out of Egypt with the people of God, whether they were Egyptian women that attached themselves to the people of God or whether they were Hebrew women that came out, they came out with their looking glasses, with their mirrors. May I say it this way, in those days, with the symbols of their vanity. But what they did instead was they gave them up to the service of God and Moses, Aholiab, and, and Bezalel took those mirrors those brass mirrors and they melted them down and instead of being the source of vanity they were incorporated into the labor by which the priest in testimony to the sprinkling of Jesus Christ washed himself before he approached the altar or before he approached the incense altar those I think are the women assembling and they gave up the symbols of their vanity so that they might serve instead. And what a wonderful and enduring testimony they have left for us. All right, well, with that then, let's go ahead and bring our reading to a close by reminding ourselves that worship is for God. It is, for, it is His perspective. Remember, we started in the last chapter. We're going to now construct everything that has been seen by Moses and impressed to the heart of, of Bezalel and Aholiab. And so we've done the inside. Now we're doing the outside. In the next chapter, Lord willing, next week, we'll get to the garments of the priests in chapter 39. And then in chapter 40, we'll talk about assembling it all and getting it ready for service. And then we'll enter into the book of Leviticus. All right, well, let's stand then and continue.